Thank you, Taylor. That was beautiful. It goes perfect for my topic today, as usual. Let's just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for another week, a time we can gather and listen and and study your word, Lord. We just pray that it touches hearts, be with me, and have me uh, just deliver uh, the message you'd, you would want to share with all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, my wife is an excellent decorator, as many of you know, and I eat a lot. I'm in the kitchen all the time grazing, and this is on the, one of the counters in the kitchen, and it's, I love to see it, and it's very comforting every time you see it, and it says, if you can't see it, forgiven forever. And isn't that a, isn't that a blessing? Um, somebody was telling him about, uh, actually Sherry's brother was reading a book about sleeping. And he said, one of the things you should do it before you go to bed at night is think of something positive and comforting and that will help you sleep. Well, that, those two words are comforting to me. And, uh, you know, we're in this pandemic, of course, and there's so much going on. There's been several uh, stimuluses from the state and from the feds to help people um, have some income, pay off debt, pay off some of the bills. And the families, you either get all of it, a little bit of it, or none of it. And, and these states and the, and the uh, feds, they don't have this money. It's not just in the bank, they print the money, they borrow the money, and they pass it out. So we're going in more and more debt all the time. And our kids and grandkids are going to inherit that as the, you know, the, the debt goes up and up and up. When we all have debt too, credit cards, uh, home loans, car loans, student loans. The average family is $96,000 in debt. And the total student loan in the country is $1.7 trillion. That's amazing. Um, and then they, they want to forgive all the student debt in the United States. And that's going to be very expensive, too. But what a blessing that would be if you went to four or eight years of school and you have all this debt to have it wiped clean. But there's downsides when you get forgiven for debt like that. It might be taxable, so you might owe tax on that $96,000. It can take years to get it, and not everybody qualifies. And if you've been forgiven of one debt, you might not be forgiven of any more. You might only get one crack at this. And that the forgiveness everywhere, there's, somebody always has to pay the price. There's hospitals that are trying to have debt forgiven of people that owe bills. California is trying to pass a $5 billion plan to pay off past rent for low-income people who, have, who went arrears in rent. And there's catches for that too. Not everybody qualifies. So there's a lot of forgiveness going on out there. And we all pay for this stuff down the road, either with taxes, fees, or interest on all the loans that the government borrows. Somebody always must pay the price for forgiveness. 
And thank God that we have a God who paid that price and who forgives sinners. <clears throat> In Romans 4, verses 7 and 8, it said, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin in the Lord will never count against him. And this applies to believers all over the world. Paul here is quoting from Psalm 32, which was written by David. Certainly a well-documented story of his sins with Bathsheba and his plan and conspiracy to kill her husband Uriah to die in a battle, which, which happened, Uriah died. And David just dwells for about four verses here on what a mess this sin did to his life. And our sins do the same thing to us. They torture us when we look back on them and remember them. They pop in our heads. We're not trying to think about them. We cannot erase them. We cannot cancel them. I just noticed tomorrow they're trying to cancel Columbus Day now. They're trying to cancel all kinds of things. We can't cancel them, nor can we forgive ourselves. You can't say, I forgive myself for doing that. It's, it's impossible. And sometimes our sin hurt other people and cause lasting damage. But whatever variety they are, small or large, they all hurt Jesus because he died and shed his blood for every one of them. David feels the same way here after his fall with Bathsheba. When we sin, we sin against the Lord. And David's story is in Psalms 32, the first two are verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He has remorse, he feels guilty, he's weak. He couldn't sleep, and he had, probably has nightmares. And he tried to conceal his sin, but he couldn't. He can't conceal a sin from God. He sees them all, he knows them all. He was full of regret from this fall that he had in temp temptation. And he went silent, which is, you can't be silent from the Lord. He knows your every thought. He, and he did not confess his sins, <clears throat> He tried to forget them, but they haunted him. He was a king, but he was a miserable king. He might have tried to, like we do sometimes, get busy with entertainment, hobbies, just to get your mind off the sins. But the sin kept popping up. He could have had anything he wanted except for peace, the Lord's peace, and forgiveness. He won every battle practically in Scripture, but he couldn't win this battle against the sins. His stubbornness extended the torture. Bill McDonald said this, this behavior lasted over a year. That's, that's amazing. And then in verse 5, Psalm 32, 5, it says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Amen. He finally reached a breaking point. He came to his senses. He should have done this a year before 
saved all that grief, but he didn't, all that agony, and he confessed his sins and quit, quit trying to hide them. The Lord is the only one that can forgive our sins and give us redemption for those sins. And David, it was like a load was gone. He instantly felt the guilt was gone when he confessed it to the Lord. The Lord forgave his sins. He had relief and the torture was over. He was now free, as one verse says, we can now with reverence serve you. We can't serve the Lord when we have a bunch of unconfessed sins that we're dealing with. He felt as if a weight was lifted off his shoulders. It's like the song says, burdens are lifted at Calvary. And that is so true. I've been there where he was, and I'll bet you a few people in here have been there too. And it's a good feeling, once you confess it, to lose that burden and uh, you have relief when it's done. We should always confess our sins. Ephesians 1, verses 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us with all wisdom and understanding. It's by his grace that we have forgiveness of sins. It's not something that he had to do. It's not something that we certainly deserve. It's just his merciful nature that he forgives our sins. We can't, David couldn't do anything to, to redeem himself from those sins. He could have had 10,000 people working for him, but that wouldn't help. It's by no works that we can forgive our sins. It's only his unmerited favor. And he shows his love for us by shedding his blood on the cross that made it available for our sins to be forgiven. He paid the price for all that forgiveness for past, present, and future sins. And the word that kind of struck me, it's a word that you don't see too often, and that's lavish. You look up the synonyms, and it says, very costly, showered, or poured out. And that's also words that are used in Scripture. He poured out everything for us. He showered blessings upon us, and it was very costly. So actually... It was the perfect word that uh, Paul used in that. He gave us everything he had. And David closes this little topic in verse 36, or verse 6 of chapter 32. He says, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. While you may be found, that's interesting too. We don't know how long that found. He's available today to be found. But at some point, he's not going to be available to be found. And that's after the rapture. We get up to that point, and then there's no more being found. So we want to make sure that we are with Christ and in Christ today, everybody. Because it could be today that he comes again. And he refers... Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. I don't think there's any rising waters in Jerusalem or in anything that you read about David, but it's like we say today, it's a stormy world. He's equating 
rising waters with all the turmoil that's going on in the world. And he's saying the Lord will protect us from this turmoil and all these rising waters around us. It's, it's in the papers every single day. So it's great advice. We all should pray while he may be found. And we don't know what time that day or time is coming. Pray constantly as if he is coming today. Trying to predict the time when he's coming is pretty useless because the Lord compares his coming again to when a thief comes in the night. Well, if we knew when a thief was going to come in your house at night, we would take measures for that. But we have no idea when the thief is coming, just as we know, have no idea when the Lord is going to come again to rapture all believers. And what a blessing his protection provides us from that, from that rising waters. So what, what can we learn for this little four or five verses from his experience? He let things lapse. We should constantly examine ourselves do we have, if we have any unconfessed sins. Large or small, to the Lord, they're all huge. They're all the same. So realize them, confess them to the Lord, repent, praise him and thank him for his forgiveness. And after this repentance, get back on track and serve him again. So did David have to keep do, doing this over and over? How often does he have to ask forgiveness for them? Um, the answer is none. Once asked, they're forgiven. You don't need to ask them again and again and again. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So he's going to forgive our sins, confess sins, and he doesn't remember them. He can remember them, but he doesn't. And that's another blessing. Our sins, as this thing says, are forgiven forever. And that's why I look at that when I'm grazing in the kitchen. We, we're going to remember them, but it confessed we're forgiven and don't have to let us haunt them anymore. In his podcast the other day, Tony Evans, you know, the, the famous preacher, uh, he said, <clears throat> don't let the garbage in the rearview mirror mess up the clear windshield of tomorrow. And that's so true. We shouldn't be looking back at everything we did wrong. We should look ahead on the Lord's path. It's clear. He guides us and keep going forward and, and not going backwards. You know, in California, if you, say, are convicted, the court convicts you of, say, auto theft. And then it's a pretty common occurrence. And the court, jails are full, so they say, okay, you're on probation for this. You don't do any jail time, you're on probation for that auto theft. If you go out in a month and steal another car and get arrested for auto theft again, they go back and said, your probation is violated, and we're now going to convict you and give you a sentence for the first auto theft. So they forgive you, but then if you do screw up again, they go and put you in custody for that first one, and then you serve time for that. The Lord never says, oh man, 
Jessica, you did the same thing again. I just forgive you for that one a while back and you did it again. I'm going to go back and renege my forgiveness. He doesn't do that. He doesn't withdraw any forgiveness for what he forgave us for in the past. It's a clean slate and we're always going forward for him. So we don't have to get hung up about that. <clears throat> in this student loan, this man, <clears throat> Kevin Rosenberg, he was a Navy veteran. He had amassed $221,000 of student loans. He went bankrupt, filled out all the paperwork to declare bankruptcy. The government forgave every penny. What a relief for him for a little while. Then a judge got in the middle of it. A federal judge determined that this guy Rosenberg could have received income from other sources that he had access to. The judge reversed the decision, canceled the forgiveness, and made Rosenberg again responsible to pay off the entire loan. That doesn't happen with the Lord. We don't get what we deserve, certainly. In Psalms 103, verses 10 through 12, says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great it is love for those who fear him. We deserve judgment, uh, condemnation. Once saved, we don't get either one of those, thank God. And when you think about for, forever, if you go out east, well, like with the laser, and you go west with the laser, they'll never meet. And that's forever, and that's how long our sins are forgiven for by him. That is incredible. He never reneges on a promise, never changes his mind. Forgiven forever. It says in Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. We have some stains in our house. We have some few new ones from our little puppy as he likes to climb on the couch. And I tried to, you know, blot them out. You get a cleaner, you go down on the material, on the, on the material, the floor or the carpet, and you try your best and you get some on the, uh, your blotter, but there's always, it's hard to get it perfectly removed, that blotter business. <clears throat> But when Christ blots out something, he gets it completely, as if no stain was ever there. He takes the offensive material out of us, which is the sin, unto himself, and he's the blotter, and makes us clean. There's still evidence in our couch, right, Jerry? A little bit, you can't, you can't get it all out. His blood is so effective, he makes us white as snow. And we are all certainly dirty from sin at one time or another. We all can confess to that. As Taylor sang, there's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. So if we have a slew of sins, many, 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 
he can clean us, make us white as snow. So we can't say we're, I'm just too big of a sinner. The Lord will take all sinners in and make us white as snow. That is incredible. He even says so in Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. He can make us like wool, white as snow. What a feeling instead of being stained your whole life. And the burden of that sin is incredible. It's so important to confess our sins. We can't take, oh, our sins are forgiven for past, present, and future. We have to confess them. Yeah, our sins are forgiven, and I started reading about it, and it got a little bit, little bit complex about there's a couple levels of forgiveness. And, but we want to, this one where we have to confess everything they were talking about, you have to confess the sin so you can walk with God again. You can't walk with the Lord if you're holding sins in that are, that are uh, not confessed. We want to get back on the right track. We can't have fellowship with him unless we confess our sins. So what about, what about other two people? We're talking about us and the Lord one-on-one. I can't confess Sherry, you know, forgive Sherry's sins, nor can she forgive mine. It's we're one-on-one relationship with Jesus. But we were told how to handle um, people around us. We're told to forgive others as Christ forgives us. In Matthew 18, 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? when he sins against me, up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That's a lot of sins, a lot of forgiveness. I wonder why Peter used seven, but I think that's the, the most common, Jesus' favorite word in the uh, scriptures. And that infers continually. You're not going to stop when you reach that number. We're supposed to always forgive others, as Jesus does. Forgive and forget. Bill McDonald says, If believers are unwilling to forgive those who wrong them, how can they expect to be in fellowship with the Father who has freely forgiven them for their wrong givings? It's kind of like when we read about the Pharisees. They They had a lot of that going on. They thought they were pretty special. <clears throat> this pastor, George Bremington, said a long time ago, 1630, and it still applies today, he who cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass. If he would ever reach heaven, for everyone has need to be forgiven. So we have to forgive too. We can't say, you know, you, I'm not going to forgive you for that because we're going to, we have to get forgiven as well to go to heaven. So it's sure, that sure is a word to the wise. On forgiveness too, in Luke 6, 27, it says, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And in verse 28 
But bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And 36, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And what caught me on this, uh, my version said, Jesus is talking to the disciples here. And there's a big crowd of people around too. And he's been talking for a while and he says, but to you who are listening, if you're talking to a group, there's a group here, um, he, to me, Jesus, he says, but to you who are listening, that means he knows people are not listening or not paying attention. He wouldn't say that. If everybody was listening, he wouldn't have said that. <clears throat> because the previous verses say, Woe to you who laugh now, for later you're going to mourn and weep. So he's, he knows the crowd he's talking to here. He knows some of these people that he's talking to, might, they're laughing or they're saying, I want to hear this new message, this new way. And they might thinking, this is crazy what he's saying. So he's saying this to these people, go ahead and you're going to laugh now, but you won't be laughing later. So it, it's, it's a note for us to when Jesus is talking to us, when we're reading or we're hearing messages, to really pay attention and listen and not be daydreaming as we're wont to do sometimes. He showed us his mercy on the judgment that we deserved. And he says, when we bless others, we in turn are blessed. When we show mercy, he'll show mercy to us. A natural man wants to, well, I'm going to get you mercy. Why should I show you mercy? You did that horrible thing to me. But Jesus' way is to show mercy, <clears throat> and we will receive mercy. And then in the... Uh, the pinnacle act of forgiveness in Luke 23, 34, it says, Jesus, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. That's pretty incredible. Jesus is dying on the cross for their sins and they're playing a, uh, a gambling game. That's pretty amazing. Forgive them, we're a part of that them, for they don't know what they are doing. That's, that's an incredible thing to say. No revenge, I'm going to get you. He could have had an army of angels come down, destroy them all. No anger, no fighting back. He even saved a man on the cross, one of those criminals, as he was dying on the cross. What love and compassion and just closing here, it says Colossians 2, 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations <clears throat> that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross so there's that word all again. He didn't take away most of them, some of them, the worst ones. He took them all away. We know we hear a canceling all over the place today. But he canceled our legal indebtedness, it says. And put it, put our sins and nailed it to the cross. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your forgiveness for us, Lord. We are undeserving, unworthy.
And yet, no one is too dirty that you cannot make clean, as Taylor sang. We thank you for that. We pray we do listen to your word intently when you are speaking to us. We pray we learn to forgive others and to confess sins immediately, Lord. And just ask you the blessing on the rest of the week. We pray for this uh, this virus that is not letting up. We pray no one gets sick, and we pray that um, more vaccines could be created. We pray that the kids, the younger kids, could get the vaccine soon, and we could get over this uh, this vaccine soon. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.